the Lord is very good to us in that, in so many ways he's so good to us, but he also tries to choose a, a language that we will understand. So he tries to communicate himself to us in ways that we can comprehend. Again, like if he's so infinitely, infinitely anything, infinitely great, infinitely good, infinitely loving, infinitely merciful, we don't understand infinite. Okay, we human beings, everything has a beginning, a middle, and an end. You buy a block of ice cream, okay, you now have to eat it within 10 minutes or it's mush. And then if you leave it there for another hour, it goes, turns into warm mush, leave it there for a week, it turns fuzzy, leave it there for a month. You know, everything has, uh, there's a time limit for everything, even our lives, even any joy, everything, everything is going to pass, everything, anything. Even like the, the sun is eventually going to burn out. You know, the earth will eventually stop spinning and once the sun implodes, explodes, we're going to get knocked off our axis. You know, everything we know is eventually going to change. Okay, so we just don't get the idea of infinite. It's, it's, we have a word for it, it's a theory. But we have no way of comprehending anything, even like the circle, the circumference of a circle, it's, it's infinite, effectively. But even that, yeah, but we can still measure it though. One lap, that's enough for us. So we don't get infinite. So God has to speak to us in a language using symbols, using uh, comparisons, analogies that we can understand. Otherwise, we're just not going to get him. Okay? So it's interesting that it seems across the globe in all sorts of different languages and cultures uh, that the heart is a fairly common uh, symbol of love. You know, we have in, in Italian, con todo mio cuore, in Spanish, con todo el mio corazón, uh, even, even German has the same, they even uh, speak about love in German, you know, from ganzem Herzen, you know, and uh, even like if you think of the Aztecs, right, so they're in a completely different culture, different history altogether, when they would sacrifice people, a new one, they would cut the heart out, right, because the heart was like, it was like the, the, the center of the person, it was the life force of the person, interesting like that, these, this kind of, it's like, it's like there's almost this kind of innate understanding that the heart is something special, even though it's an organ, an essential organ, like many others. You know, you're not going to live for very long without a liver either. But there's not a single culture that I'm aware of that says, I love you with all of my liver. I love you with all of my left kidney. It's just, it just doesn't have the same ring to it. But there's, like, there's something about the heart. There's something about the heart that communicates something. Uh, now, during our, our preparation, our, our novena for, for today's feast day, uh, one of the, the meditations that we read one evening, it really struck me, because I was thinking, well, why, why the heart? I mean, you need to love someone with all of your brain, too. You know, we need to have a bit of intelligence in, in what we love. Why? But why do we go for the heart? Why, why is the heart so important? One of the meditations for, for the, the novena was that the heart is an organ that takes, so it receives, and gives. It receives and gives. Sucks in, pump out. Sucks in, pump out. So it's, it's, it's constantly, so it's, firstly, it's constant. Your heart is running constantly, unlike our brains. Uh, I know your brain runs constantly as well, but just not, not so much in fellas. Um, uh, your, heart, your, your heart is constantly pumping, right? So it, ha it, ha it has to, or you die. So it's constantly receiving and giving, receiving and giving, receiving and giving. Now, as, as Christians, as Catholics, as, as, as faithful people, this is a wonderful analogy for how we're supposed to live with God. That we spend all of our time 
receiving from him, receiving grace, receiving, it's like he is our very life. He holds us in existence. So we hold, we, we, we receive that from him. The second part of this is sometimes where we get a small bit stuck. You know the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea in the Holy Land, if you've ever been there, it's, it's, it's quite a unique wee spot. Uh, very, very low, exceptionally hot, and while it's very, there's it's a great tourist industry built up around it, it's called the Dead Sea for a good reason, right? Nothing, absolutely nothing can live there because the, the, the Jordan flows into it, but nothing flows out. Right? It takes, it takes, it takes, and it doesn't give you anything. So any kind of silt, sand, uh, even the, 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 probably from a, a previous flood or something, the salt that's in there can't leave. So that the water there is so intensely uh, salty that nothing can grow there. You know, if, it looks wonderful to see people swim there, but it stings like heck if, if you've you've shaven that day or if you've any little cuts really really stings uh, so no fish can live there so it takes it takes it takes and it gives nothing back and that's why it's dead right further upstream you have the Lake of Tiberias uh, Sea of Galilee and that takes and receives river flows in big lake river flows out teeming with life full of fish and so for us uh, when it comes to our faith, often I think we, can, we have this idea that the, effectively the faith, or maybe even God, is there to serve me. It's there to, to give me things, give me grace, give me a future, give me you know, some, a safety net, something to depend on, insurance policy for the afterlife, whatever it may be. But it's, it's basically about me receiving. It's all good, it's all good, it's all good. The problem with that is that's kind of, that's, that's, a, that's a dead faith, actually. Because then it's not really about the heart, what's the, what is the heart of faith? Faith is the ascent of the intellect and the will to God's self-revelation. The ascent, so I lift up my intellect and my will to how God reveals himself. Faith is not, God, what can you do for me? So I'm lifting my, my, my mind and my will to want what God wants, to do what God does, in order to be more like him, in order to spend eternity with him. So it, it's, it's not one way, right? The heart receives and then gives. So if I, if I receive grace from God, what am I supposed to do with it? I'm supposed to give it. I'm supposed to give it. I'm supposed to pass it on. So if I have the, 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 this grace, this gift of you know, being a morning person or kind of good humor, you know, has, has the ability to, to stir up a smile in people first thing in the morning, use it. You know, make people glad that they're awake. <laughs> you know, if the, 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 any sort of a gift or talent or music or organization or, or being practical or whatever it is we, we, we receive these gifts from God great now use them for the greater glory of God receive and give and receive and give and receive and give just like a heart and as we do that then we find that rather than well rather than being so focused on ourselves and our own self-development and so on and so forth that would give you an unbalanced heart right receiving but not giving we find that, that it gives us purpose and fulfillment. Now, at the same time, it also makes you feel kind of empty in a good way. When we give everything we have, I, I, like I know from, from, from good people who love and who serve, at the end of the day, they are absolutely wrecked. And just, they've given everything. 
And some might feel that's that's is that not a bit dangerous? And obviously, we're not talking about you know running oneself into the ground and all that kind of thing. No, we're not we're not, not not to that degree. But you see it with parents. You see it with, with with good missionaries. Like they give everything they have. But you see, we do so with the confidence that we will receive again. The following day, we will receive again. We will get what we need the following day for that day. So we shouldn't be afraid of giving everything we have. We will get more because if. God wants us to do this mission, so whatever we give, he will replenish. Okay? So our whole lives are, are such like, like a great big heart, giving and receiving. And so the Lord then reveals himself to us using this image of a heart as well. So Jesus who receives everything from the Father and gives everything he has. Everything from the Father and gives everything he has. On the cross, he completely empties himself. Receives everything, again, I say, from God. Empties everything out, out, that he is and has out upon the world. And that heart is pierced. And I heard a very good thought on, on the sacred heart before. That the Lord's sacred heart was pierced after he had died. Right, So he was already dead on the cross. And then, just to check or to make sure, they pierced his heart. And from his heart flowed blood and water. But somebody noticed, because this wound was inflicted after his death, it was never going to heal. You know, if, you, if you're caught while you're alive, it'll eventually heal up. If you're caught after you're dead, it's never going to heal up. So just this idea, though, that his heart is pierced and will remain open for all eternity, emptying itself upon us, receiving everything from God, the Father, giving everything to us. And so... When we contemplate like the Lord's sacred heart, we can, we can begin to understand how he thinks, what he wants, you know? It's such a, such a beautiful and, and healthy understanding of God to, to see how he, he wants to give us everything, you know? When we think of these erroneous, these false ideas of God that he's um, vengeful or merely a creator or merely energy or, or these kind of things, you think, what? I can't, I can't relate to mere energy. I mean, there's energy in the plugs there. I'm not going to kneel down in front of the plug and go... It's just it's energy, you know? Okay? I can't, I can't have a relationship with energy. God has never revealed himself as energy. He's revealed himself as a person. And not only as a person, then he gets even kind of closer to say, our vocabulary. He reveals himself as having a, a heart, a heart that beats out of love for us. Margaret Mary Alcock, towards the end of the, the 17th century, 1672, uh, she receives these uh, apparitions of the Lord who aims to clarify, again, how his, his sacred heart works, how, how it beats out of love for us. And again, this is pure generosity on God's part. Just, I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for you to get to me. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for you to access grace. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for you to understand who I am. So, the image of the sacred heart. And he reveals a number of promises, 12 promises, <clears throat> associated with the devotion to the sacred heart, which again is really, really easy. Okay, your first Friday, first Friday devotions, um, confession, communion, and then veneration of the sacred heart, image somewhere, some sacrifice, a little penance made uh, out of love for the Lord in reparation for the offences committed against his heart. So it's, it's, it's not difficult. 
and just briefly, I just want to read through the, the 12 promises. There, some of them are, are, are quite astounding. I mean, I'll be, Jenny, we could give a whole homily just on this. I won't, I promise. So, uh, first promise, I will give souls who are devoted to the Sacred Heart all the graces necessary in their state of life. It's wonderfully phrased. All the graces necessary in their state of life. So if you're a mom, you're going, you're going to need an awful lot of graces. Uh, if you're a dad, priest, religious, single, trying to remain pure in the world today, whatever it is, um, I will give you all the graces necessary for your state of life. Fantastic. I will give, number two, second promise, I will give peace in their families and will unite families that are divided. That's maybe 30 years ago, people might have thought, yeah, that's nice, but not really for me. These days, though, I mean, there are so many, so many divisions in families. I will give peace in their families and will unite families that are divided. Promise number three, I will console them in all their troubles. Four, I will be their refuge during life and above all in death. Five, I will bestow the blessings of heaven on all their enterprises. So again, who doesn't want the Lord's blessing on all our, on all our work? Number six, sinners shall find in my heart the source and infinite ocean of mercy. Now, if that vocabulary doesn't sound like St. Faustine and Divine Mercy, I don't know what does. Uh, but, so there is, a, there is an overlap uh, here. We have uh, sinners shall find in my heart the source and infinite ocean of mercy. Number seven, tepid souls shall become fervent. Now, number eight, I'm not saying this with any arrogance here, but the fact that you're all here and the fact that any of you are watching Mass today on uh, a, a weekday, it says that we already have a certain degree of faith, which is good, you know. But I love, that's why I love this next promise. Fervent souls shall rise quickly to great perfection. Because, you know, we're not... Again, it's not that we're better than anybody else, but we have a certain degree of faith. I mean, you know, as I say, you're here at Mass during, during the week when you don't have to be. So we're at least trying. We're on the way, hopefully. But then to hear that fervent souls shall rise quickly to great perfection. Okay, because perfect we're not. So that's, that's just, again, a beautiful promise. Number nine, I will place... I will bless those places wherein the image of my heart shall be exposed and honoured and will imprint my love on the hearts of those who would wear this image on their person. I will destroy in them all disordered movements, like all disordered affections, addictions. Number 10. I will give to priests who are animated by a tender devotion to my divine heart the gift of touching the most hardened hearts. <coughs> Number 11. Those who promote this devotion shall have their names written in my heart, never to be erased. Number 12. I will promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that my all-powerful love will grant to all those who communicate, so receive Holy Communion, uh, on the first Friday in nine consecutive months, the grace of final penitence. They will not die in my disgrace nor without receiving their sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in this last moment. It's guaranteeing salvation. That's, again, uh, an incredible promise. Just pure, selfless, self-effacing, self-emptying generosity 
on the part of the Lord. So we ask the good Lord today, as he reveals his sacred heart to us, may our individual lives, the life of our church, model itself on his sacred heart, a heart that receives everything from the Father and a heart that gives everything back, confident that we will be replenished tomorrow to do tomorrow's work. Amen.